Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie Aff, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, April 29th, 2020. And today we are reading from the big book in Chapter 11, and we're at page 154, the first paragraph, Bitterly Discouraged, and we'll read just one paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Terry H., 12 Traditions, Maura Z. And reading the text are Leon B., Nancy P., and Liz V. The reference numbers for Tuesday, April 28, 2020 are, there are two for the 7 a.m. meeting, and we apologize for that, 14517 and 14518, that's 14,517, 14,518. And for 10 a.m., the number is 14519, that's 14519. OA Preamble. Obreers Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Terry H. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. My name is Terry H. I'm from Pensacola, Florida, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Uh, The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to be of service this month. 
And with Thank that, you so much. Thank you so much, Terry. Okay, I will now ask Maura Z to read the 12 traditions. Maura Z, gratefully recovered in Virginia. Thank you, Katie. 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you, Mara. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book and we're on page 154 of the first paragraph, bitterly discouraged. And I will ask Leon B to begin reading. Good morning. This is Leon B. Gratefully recovered in Centerville, South Carolina. I'm bitterly discouraged. He found himself in a strange place, discredited and almost broke. Still physically weak and sober, but a few months, he saw his predicament was dangerous. He wanted so much to talk with someone, but whom? I feel like for this paragraph, we need the historian. I'm going to do the best I can. <laughs> so um, this is Bill we're, we're talking about here. And the thing that I found um, 
marvelous in this is that he didn't automatically, he had already gone through his spiritual experience. He was in, he was recovered um, and he was, he had just come off of, of a business deal that went, that didn't go in the direction that he wanted it to go. And this was really the perfect setup for him to to go and to go and get drunk again, for for him to go back into the bottles. And he was physically, you know, he's saying that physically he's weak, you know, because he's only sober but a a few months. Um, and he saw that he was in a dangerous spot, and he knew that he needed to talk to someone because Bill remembered that it, when all else fails, when all else fails. You can always talk to another alcoholic and without going into what happened um, from that point forward. Um, I often find that, and I just had this conversation yesterday with my, um, with, a, with a group that I talk with on a regular, and we talked about this fellowship and, and how just sharing our stories and sharing our feelings and talking to each other, it has kept us not just from going back in, into the food. I mean, we're we're all recovered, you know, but we talk about our feelings and it helps us to, with our character defects because we're trying to grow every every single day. So there's, there's so much power in this program when you take the time to, if you feel like you want to eat, you feel like you want to drink, you feel like that you, that you, you're you're going through a lot. You don't just sit in that. I mean, Bill took what we talk about all the time. Bill took action. He had so many temptations around him, and we in OA we have lots of temptations in our home. You know, we, I'm home with my children. I'm feeding them a breakfast, lunch, and dinner all day. They like to eat snacks and cook everything that I used to 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 binge on. But I'm in a place of of neutrality, and I have a group that's been brought up around me that I could pick up the phone, that I can talk to anyone. And it's just amazing how sometimes we'll have these I uh, have these great conversations with my my sponsees or I, I'm I'm able to pour into someone else's life and talk them off the ledge and then man, something will happen. And I will be physically weak <laughs> and I will be, you know, feeling very turned around inside, you know, and I know I can pick up the phone and I can call someone and I can do a 10 step with them and I can be of service to someone else and I can get out of myself. And I think that's what the, he's, he's demonstrating here. Get out of yourself. When you, these emotions rise up and these feelings rise up, get out of yourself, turn to someone else that, that you can help. Um, and I'm interested to hear this, what the other, uh, others have to say, but that's all I have to say about that paragraph and I pass. Thank you so much, Leon. Thanks for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on this first paragraph on page 154? Elise M. Reba Reba P. P. Melissa G. Melissa G. Elise M. I got Elise M, Reva P, and Melissa G. Priscilla. I thought I heard a man. Okay, Priscilla. Anita B. Anita B. Nancy P. 
Nancy P. Okay, well, that's a good start. Um, if there's one more, I can put them in there. Otherwise, so let's go with Elise M, Reva P, Melissa G, Priscilla, and if you could give me the initial of your last name, Anita B, and Nancy P. Everyone, star one except for Elise M. Hi, my name is Elise N. Thank you for your service. Um, I just could relate to this, you know, well, the way that I was thinking of this is the other night, I just started a new job and the boss that I have seems to be very, he's talking about other people a lot, complaining about other employees. I mean, in the first week, he fired the two other employees at the same level as me for, for not having, you know, good performance or whatever, which is a little nerve wracking. So I'm the only one left besides the student. And um, he was talking about a mistake I had made and that I have to have a certain number of cases by a certain date, you know. And I started to get scared. Um, and fear of financial insecurity is probably, for me, I'm, I'm a widow with three kids that I'm, I'm raising, um, is um, scarier to me than the coronavirus. It's much scarier to me. And um, when I don't put it in God's hands and I started to get frightened and my first thought, one of my first thoughts was, I'm hungry, you know, I should eat dinner. And I, I said, yeah, you're hungry. All right. And I, you know, I called somebody and I quickly did, you know, a 10 step and I can't say it's all I did. It's amazing because I gave it away enough that I mean, the next night, the one night I hadn't slept very well. And the next night, I slept just fine, slept like a baby. Last night, slept like a baby. And I did confront him about it. He said, no, you're doing great. You're amazing. I just, I was kind of traumatized by the last worker that was here. And he just, it's like he runs off at the mouth. And then, you know, but uh, like a loose cannon, you know, and I can't change him. But I also don't feel like I can really trust him because um, when I first started, you may think this is funny, but um, it's he was talking about these two other workers, and he asked me what I thought about what he said about one of them. And I said, well, what I think is that if you're talking to me about them, then I really don't know what you're going to say about me when I turn my back. So that's really how I felt about it was you're not to be trusted. But he didn't take it that way. He didn't, I don't think he penetrated his his psyche. You know, he's so upset over some of the things that have happened. And he said his business almost almost went down the drain due to this person not doing their job, not doing the billing. And, you know, he feels like, you know, his business could have been ruined. And I understand that, but that's, I'm a therapist and I'm employed by him. He needs to get a good therapist, but not me. So I didn't say that to him. Um, anyway, I am very grateful that I have this program and that I have, you know, people to talk to. Okay. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Elise. Okay, Reva P., you're up, followed by Melissa G. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. And, you know, um, this is the first time since Bill gets sober, 
that when things don't go his way, he does something different and he doesn't pick up a drink. He looks for somebody to talk to. And I love how it's taking a couple of paragraphs till um, we see that he does make the call um, to another alcoholic. And it's almost like slow motion. And you know what? Before program, what did I do when things didn't go my way? And it didn't take much for things to not go my way. Um, It was instantaneous. It was reflexive to pick up food, to anesthetize myself, um, to bring me down if I was too high and excited, to bring me up if I was depressed. Um, But this is such a great reminder. What happens when I get bitterly discouraged like really discouraged, nothing's going his way, when life doesn't go my way. Because program and, um, you know, working the steps doesn't mean, like some people share, you know, Brad Pitt rings the doorbell and my life is nirvana forevermore. Things still don't go my way. And a lot of things are not going my way. But it's such a great reminder that the promise is when I put the food down and I do the work, I get an intuitive thought And I can get through painful situations. I can get intuitive thoughts about right actions, right thoughts. Step 10 is removing my blocks so I can access power and know what to do by reaching out to somebody else and doing this together with other recovered people. Um, And that's such a miracle. And by even asking a question, I need to talk to somebody, but who? There was no pause. There was no asking myself a question. Maybe I should call somebody um, and do a 10-step. It was just um, automatic. So that is the gift of recovery. It doesn't mean that I don't get discouraged. It doesn't mean that even food doesn't call. It means that I get that God pause where the grace of God comes in and I can take an action um, and then get back on track. Um, So that's all I have to share. Thank you. Thank you, Reva. And now we'll have Melissa G. followed by Priscilla. Hi, good morning. Um, Yeah, I read this um, this morning and all I could think of is how I used to be. And whenever things would go wrong or I had difficult times, I was in the food without even a thought. It was just, I know other people have said it, but it was just instantaneously. Um, and I was so isolated and alone. And that's just how I lived my life. And I thought that that was really the only way to live your life. Now, coming into program, I'm very new, um, but I'm being taught, like, I have to make my calls. I have to reach out. And this isn't always easy for somebody who's been an isolator. But I know that only by hearing what other fellows did when they were put in similar situations and how a different life is possible and given hope every day. And without that, I very quickly can go back into my brain and remind myself of why all the beautiful things that were, you know, I lied to myself about when it came to eating the food, um, why those aren't really lies and those are real. It's only through talking with you all and experience, like hearing your experience, strength, and hope that it gives me hope to move forward one day at a time. So for that, thank you. Pass. 
Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Priscilla, you're up, followed by Anita. Priscilla, star one to unmute. Sorry, I thought I was unmuted. <laughs> this is okay. Priscilla. Okay, gratefully recovered physically uh, today, but recovering mentally, interpersonally, spiritually, morally, and every other way. And this story, this part of Bill's story, just is was written for me today and as it was explained um in the beginning of this meeting by Leon it just uh says so much to me because the thing about his trip came off badly the proceeding was shot through with much hard feeling that's from yesterday i guess and in this meeting uh last friday i did something that came off badly and higher power let me know about that right away and told me that today is the day for me to do a step 10 about that to make amends um bill in his story wanted so much to talk with someone i think that's coming up uh tomorrow maybe so here's what happened on friday i know i'm rambling a sister one of our vision sisters recovery raised a question about how to write a letter for maybe a friend or a sponsee who had asked for her help with a letter that the sponsee needed to write and at that moment a character defect of mine jumped out onto the stage and I gave a I, I was one of the two people to respond to her question and I gave a really snarky answer that the friend or sponsee, whoever it was, needs to write her own letter and is trying to make our member her higher power. The the sister in recovery in our meeting tried to explain or correct my thinking, and I wouldn't yield the airtime. I went on and on, and I called this character defect know-it-all Priscilla. It's a character defect that's really been locked up in Pandora's box for me for 60-some-odd years since my college days. I used to be know-it-all Priscilla a lot and during my college days way back uh, and didn't even know that character defect was hiding in that box. So I need to make amends to this sister of ours and to the whoever was on the meeting that day that the sister in recovery who was who raised the question i don't even know her name but i hope somebody does and can let her know um my bff is telling me that i must say this as a step nine or a step ten if i want to continue living on the steps so i am so sorry and i hope you're still here to my sister in recovery with that i pass okay thank you priscilla and Anita B., you're up, followed by Nancy P. Thanks. Thanks for your service. Anita B. here recovered in New Jersey. So much in this small little paragraph for me at this present moment. Um, you know, bitterly discouraged. You know, I find myself in a strange place, and whenever I feel in a strange place, I know it's time to do something. It's time to act. You know, and uh, because if I'm in a bitterly discouraged place, I'm going to start to feel physically weak. 
whether I've been recovered for a long time or not because I'm just one bite away, right? Um, so um, it's a dangerous place to be, and I'm grateful today to to be aware of those situations in my day, which happen, you know, usually every day. So, um, and the last part, he wanted so much to talk with someone but whom, uh, you know, God always points me to the right person. I don't care if if I pick a number from the blue of someone I don't know. I don't care if it's someone I talk to all the time. Uh, I don't care. It could be a family member. Uh, You know, recently, last night, it was my sponsee. And there's two profound things she said to me. And I think they're more profound because, you know, she has this program too. And so she she's someone I can rely on. Um, so, you know, this paragraph has been um, – I'm, I'm so grateful to have read it today. And I'm grateful that you heard my name and that I had a chance to share. I haven't shared in a while. Um, and with all of this going on, the fears – um, and the discouragement from the inconvenience of this uh, coronavirus seemed to have snuck up on me yesterday. And uh, I was able to talk about it to a recovered person and my sponsee. And both of them were so helpful. And I'm grateful for that so that I'm not in such a dangerous place today. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Anita. And Nancy P., you're up, and then we'll open it up again for more shares. Hi, good morning. This is Nancy P. from West Newton, Massachusetts. Thanks for letting me share. Yeah, this is um, a telling paragraph for me. When I first um, surrendered, um, you know, I felt great, but my um, my life was kind of a mess. And, um, you know, my, my poor daughter was um, engaging in horrible self-harm, and I felt like, you know, every cut was she was cutting me instead of herself. It was all about me. And, um, you know, I spent that first, that was in December. And then, you know, into the new year, I called about 9 million people because I was in such pain. And then um, she got better and I got better. But last week she had a relapse. um, And I, was so frightened and I thought you know what am I going to do I just it all became about me again and you know I did a 10th step and came to find that um, you know much like Bill he helped another alcoholic and um, his business still didn't you know he still had done you know his business had done poorly Um, but I talked to my dear friend and got past the me part of part of this problem and, um, you know, had to accept again, 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 the answer is always surrender. I had to accept what I couldn't change and acknowledge that I'd have no control and I hated it and I hated it and I, and I wanted to feel better. I wanted to feel happy and um, that's, we're not guaranteed to feel happy. We're just guaranteed that we will not hurt ourselves as long as we maintain fit spiritual condition and, um, you know, I, today, you know, I can work on my, again, my surrender. It's, you know, it never, the answer never changes. But I don't know why the question always does with me. Is there something else that I can do except surrender? 
Is there some other action I can take? And the answer is always no. There's no other action that you can take for me. Um, but I will say that, you know, in surrendering, I, I um, accept, you know, in accepting what I can't change, I can then move on and, um, you know, help another compulsive overeater. And that's what I did, you know. And I, I tell my sponsees this all the time when they have issues. You know, we go, we go over it and I say, now you should call a bunch of people and not talk about yourself. And that's what I do is I call, called the one person who talked about the problem. And then I called about 50 other people and didn't talk about the problem. And guess what? You know, today I'm happy, joyous, and free. And, um, and I just felt like it was so far from me uh, last week. But today I, I don't feel that way at all. Today I'm, I'm in the middle of happy, joyous, and free. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, so if you've just joined us in the last few minutes, we're on page 154 in chapter 11. We're in the first paragraph, bitterly discouraged. And so if you haven't shared in the last three days and you would like to share, please give me your first name and the initial of your last name. Eileen G. R. Okay, just one second. I got Eileen, Katie, G, Hoodie, and Nessa. Maura Z. Maura Z. Marge O. Marge O. Any more? Okay, well, let's go with this group. I I got you, Hoodie. Um, Okay, so this is who I heard. If I missed you, please let me know. I have Eileen. I missed her initial. Katie G. Hoodie R. Nessa R. Mara Z and Marge O. Hopefully when everyone mutes, we'll get rid of that echo that I'm hearing. Okay, so Eileen, please go first and then Katie G. Eileen, star one. Oh goodness, I, I okay. I, uh, good morning. I'm Irene B, uh, gratefully recovering bulimic. No, no, recovered bulimic today and today only by God's grace, love, and mercy. Um, I really love this little paragraph because um, it kind of reminds me of, of where I am not anymore. And I am so grateful that I'm not there anymore. And, um, and it's Reminds me that I used to want to be able to talk about my eating disorder, and there was no one who would know or understand or relate. It was just such a lonely, lonely place, and by the grace of God, I don't have to wonder anymore, who am I going to call? I mean, we have four, five, six thousand family members envision for you that I can reach out to at any moment, not to mention all the contacts on my on my phone that start with OA. So I don't have to worry about that anymore. And I'm also very grateful that I know when I am disturbed that I sense when something isn't well. Because 
before recovery, people like 40 years ago, first treatment center, aftercare program, um, they would say, well, how did you feel? And I was like, I have no idea. And then I, for, 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 all, for 40 years, I did not know how to answer that question. And now in hindsight, I know how to answer the question. The question is, I just wanted to eat. I don't know how I felt. I just know that I was unsettled. I have learned to call that anxious. I did not know what anxiety was, but I learned to call it anxious. I did not know. All I knew, I knew is that I needed to eat. And when uh, I was first in recovery, um, there was one time when I just was just, it was a Sunday afternoon, difficult time for me, Sunday afternoon. And uh, that's when my husband used to leave and uh, to go fly out to go to work, and, uh, and and it remained that way. So the weekends are bad, but Sunday afternoons in particular, especially back then. And I wanted to eat, and I dialed every number that I could find until somebody picked up the phone, and I said, please, just tell me not to eat. I just need to hear it from somebody else because me telling it, telling it to myself is not enough. So that's my take on who do I talk to when I need help. Okay, that's time, please. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay, that was Irene B., and now we'll have Katie G., followed by Hoodie R. Good morning, Katie. This is Katie G., Recovered Convulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic in Boston. You know, when when I first came in, if I'd read this paragraph, I would have thought, well, I'm doing that, right? Like, I want to eat, I pick up the phone, and I sober dial, right? Like, I just dial and dial and I dial, and when I get you, I hold you hostage, and I tell you about how hard my life is, and then I want you to fix me. I want you to be my therapist. I want you to be my husband. I want you to fix my finances. And, oh, by the way, can you fix my my powerlessness, right? Can you be a human power and intervene in this disease? And the truth is, no. (laughs) The truth is, I continued with the phone calls into into the grocery store, continued to eat. So, you know, I think it's important for me to recognize, like, my illness at its core, I've heard, is a yearning for connection, connectivity with God. And in order to get that, I got to get right with you. I got to get right with myself. And I got to get right with God, right? And I do need to talk to people. I do need God to work through other people because he does. And, and, and I need to make sure, as somebody previously mentioned, that when I'm in a bout of self-pity because life is lifing itself all over my face too, then I am looking at, okay, Katie, but where are you? Selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid. Do not tell me that someone else has a part. Tell me your mistakes. Tell me where you're wrong, right? Because the only thing that's going to intervene between me and the food is my attitude, is the stories I'm telling myself, the lies I'm telling myself, that when he says that, he's actually saying, you're a piece of you-know-what, right? That's what I'm doing. I'm personalizing it, right? And then immediately, immediately, 
when I am reconnected. I don't call a hundred other people and say, well, I did a step 10, but what's your angle of approach, right? Even though that's what I want to do because I'm selfish and I want the cure, but there is no cure. And there is something about death of self for successful living. Do you know how you all bless me is when you call me and your snot nose messy crying and you tell me, let's do a step 10. You say to me, talk to me about step one. You say to me, talk to me about step nine. You know why? Because this addict gets three minutes, or if you're really kind and you listen to me, probably 10, unless you interrupt me a lot, <laughs> um, to get out of herself to listen, right, to listen and to offer the solution in the book, right, death of self for successful living. The one thing that my problems need is not me, but God, not my thoughts, but God thoughts. And how do I do that? Not by sitting alone in a room or asking all of you, right? I sit there, I get rid of self, and I call others to talk about them and this program of recovery. And I'm grateful to walk shoulder to shoulder with all of you today. With that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. And now we'll have Hoodie R followed by Nessa R. Good morning, Katie. This is Hoodie R, recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, this paragraph, bitterly discouraged, he found himself in a strange place, discredited and almost broke. And, you know, I looked up discredited to refuse to accept that's true. And, you know, how often I've come to that place of saying, you know, how could this be? How could I feel this way again? These emotional highs and lows we all experience. But, you know, as I, as I, as I spoke to my sponsor this morning already, and she reminded me, you know, in the beginning process, we come to that place over and over again, feeling, you know, that food is down. The, the food that we have used for the solution is down. We have worked the steps, and you know what? It's going to happen. We're going to feel discouraged at times. What's going on? And you know what? It's not, you know, I could think, I, I could think, I could think of an emotion, and I could start feeling it, but you know, am I going to delve into that emotion and say, okay, why can't I do this? And why, or start being more reflection about it, or am I going to take action and act myself out of that thinking? And, um, and so, you know, thank God today I could be aware of those things, those, those, these situations that come up. I could be aware of it. I could, um, you know, do a 10-step, do a turn it around and say, what can I do today to, to be different, to not, to, to not act, not have that intention in my head, but what can I do differently to move away from the selfish that the selfish, selfish um, ideas and move into the selfless and act myself, act actions. And um, then he wanted so much to talk with someone, but whom? And you know what? Who am I going to talk to after doing that 10-step? That ten you know, it's not going and calling a thousand other people and just going over oh, how other people have harmed me or warned me. Going, let's go out. Like, let's... Um, you know, yes, I get to connect to other people, and I get to hear and to ask how they're doing, and get out of myself and see what their what what their connection um, with their higher power today is, or how you know a struggling newcomer, and help them out and get them started. And um, you know, I'm so grateful that that we have so many tools um, given to us at our, at our feet, the tools and the steps to help to help me grow away from self-centered to God-centered. And um, today, I don't have to sit in isolation in the discouragement and those feelings and in that strange place because there is a way out, there is a solution. And with that, I pass.
Thank you, Hoodie. Okay, Nessa R, you're up, followed by Maura Z. Hi, thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R, a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Uh, to me, this story, more than any other story in the big book, um, exemplifies the transformation, the need for transformation from self-centeredness to God and other-centeredness. You know, it says on page 84, when you complete step 10, actually, when we're almost completed step 10, because without this part, we have not completed step 10, it says, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. And I think maybe the reason why Bill inserted this requirement into the process, uh, maybe it's based on this particular experience there in, in Akron, because I am a very self-centered person. And when I am so totally self-absorbed and, and, and um, self-focused, um, the automatic place where I go to is self-pity. And the and, and the journey from self-pity to the food is extremely, extremely short, and I cannot afford to stay there. And the easiest, best, most productive way to get out of there, the only way actually that I know, is to focus on other people. And not like the joke um, that goes that, well, tell me about you, tell me what you feel about me. It's to truly focus on the other person. And this is why, you know, it's so important to do this after step 10, you know, like oftentimes, you know, I speak to people and, and they say, you know, like I did a step 10, but it didn't bring me any relief. And I ask, did you turn your attention to someone you can help? And invariably, the answer is no. Um, you know, when I spend life focused on me, um, you know, my, my troubles become unsurmountable. But if I turn my attention from what I need or what I think I need, because I truly don't know what I need, and instead focus on what I'm needed for, how I can help other people, how I can serve God, then that's a transformation that um, really takes me out of self-pity. I mean, I used to be the self-pity queen. I don't feel any self-pity anymore when things don't go my way, uh, when I'm disappointed, when I'm frustrated. Um, I don't go there anymore. And I think this is the beauty of this program and this transformation. You know, it's, the, it's not about me anymore. It's about what can I do to help you? What can I do to make this a better place for everybody? What does God demand from me? Not what I demand from God, which used to be my MO prior to recovery. It's what does God demand from me? What am I needed for? And when I think that way, um, then the step 10s work. And I don't go to those dangerous places where the food um, is a magical solution. And I haven't been there for almost uh, eight and a half years. And I am so grateful. And with that, I pass. Oh, I'm sorry. Maura Z, you're up, followed by Marge O. And thank you, Nessa. Thank you, Katie. Good morning, Maura Z. Gratefully recovered in Virginia by God's grace and mercy. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so all of a sudden I get a frog when I start talking. Um, bitterly discouraged is where I was yesterday. I was in the depths of, de depths of despair. I was deep in depression. And I knew at my core, that I had two choices. 
I could sit and I could, you know, have myself a good old glorious pity party and then probably wind up in the food because I was out and about, I was driving. Or I could get a hold of myself, remember what it is I want out of life and that it is not the food. Remember that I have access to power that's not mine. And that access and that power sometimes has skin on it. So I had started making phone calls. And instead of getting discouraged after the third voicemail message that I left, where I honestly said, I'm in trouble, I got a live body. And, of course, in God's perfect world, it was the perfect person because I've long admired her spiritual journey. And I know that she's very generous with it. And I know that I can learn from it. And that is exactly who I needed to talk to. And she absolutely got me back on the path that goes somewhere, the path that leads me to God. And that was the best place I had to be yesterday. Now, what I didn't do was I didn't resolutely turn my thoughts to whom else I could help. But God took care of that, too, because my phone started ringing yesterday. And I was on the phone with, I think, three different people who were either in the food or were, you know, working their steps with their sponsor sponsor, and just reached out because they had something they wanted to talk about. And I was able to get out of myself and feel completely lifted up by the end of the day because I had gotten out of myself and I had, in fact, been able to be of service to somebody else. So I started making phone calls to see who else I could help. That's how I get to happy, joyous, and free because I get out of me and I remember who's really in charge and I thank him and I thank those other angels in my life And I keep doing it one day at a time and grateful I can do it again today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Maura. Okay, Marge O, you're up, and then we'll have time for a couple more. Good morning. This is Marge O from Walpole, Massachusetts, recovered, and very grateful to be a part of this program and this particular meeting. Bitterly discouraged. How many times have I been in that place? And it was always all about me. It wasn't how this discouragement was going to affect the rest of the people in my family or my business. It was all about woe was me, woe was me. And over the years, I've learned a lot from many OA meetings and other programs, but mostly OA. And then I came to Visions. And guess what? I learned a lot more, a lot more. And um, this business of giving my fears away, talking to others, and going to help others immediately. Not in four or five days. For me, everybody's different, but for me, it has to be immediate because if it isn't, I'll just talk myself out of it and think you have a right to feel this way, and which is ridiculous. You know, it's told us many times in this book, the way out of this is to surrender, clean house, and help others and it's such such simple directives but not always easy it took me years to figure out why people said that simple but not always easy so for today i'm grateful i thought i hadn't read this um whole uh, 
chapter in the book, but as I took the book yesterday and read through it, I had just that for whatever reason, these first few pages didn't resonate with me. So maybe I was bitterly disappointed when we were sharing about that at our regular meeting. But at any rate, I'm just thankful to be here today and thankful that I have a place to go all the time, not just when I'm bitterly disappointed, but when I'm feeling good and just want to share it. Thank you. Thank you, March. Okay, so we have time for a couple of more people if you would like to share and haven't shared in the last three days. Kelly Amy. S. Kelly S. Amy G. And Amy G. Okay. Okay, and Pete, if we have time, I'll put you in there too. Okay, Kelly S. What you're page? Followed by Amy G. What page? We're on page 154, the first paragraph. Go ahead, please, Kelly. Hi, guys. It's Kelly S. <clears throat> Recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic in Oklahoma. Grateful to be here. Thanks, Katie, for your service. Um, just wanted to add, I know that we've talked about this. We kind of built an intense step from you know, yesterday's reading. He's got a resentment. And so today, he, you know, life is building up as it happens to all of us. And, you know, I heard something on the later meeting yesterday that I just wanted to share that I just love that um, somebody said, you know, the steps are what I work on while God's working on me. And the reason that really spoke to me is because for so many years I was always like, what am I supposed to do? You know, and the big book tells me, you know, I've got steps to work. It tells me, right, you know, talk about all through the book and Bill's story. Um, you know, he talks about being sober and that depression, ways of depression come up and, that every time he got out of himself, you know, that he was able to stay abstinent. And, you know, again, what others have said, you know, that death of self. And why, you know, the book tells me I'm selfish and, and self, self-centered to the extreme. That's the root of my trouble. And, and the whole process here is to, to get out of self, you know. But why am I doing that? Because I'm so blocked. I'm, this book is getting me to a path to a higher power. And I'm working these 12 steps to get this spiritual awakening. And so all of this stuff, all this stuff that I've done my whole life, whether it's food, bulimia, exercise, alcohol, drugs, spending, you name it, it's all kept me blocked from, from my higher power. And so if I don't get out of this self, if I don't find and work these steps, I'm going to stay blocked. And eventually, as we all know, which I've done for 30-something years, I pick up again. So, you know, it's like I have choices. I can look the steps, you know. No, I can't make myself have neutrality with food. No, I can't make myself get out of depression. I can't make myself, you know, loving and tolerant. That doesn't come easy for me. I'm just going to tell you guys. But you know what? I can work these steps. I can pick up the phone. I can reach out. I can be honest about what's going on. I can help another person. I put the food down, and I get busy, and I get unblocked so that then I can, I finally can do life. So I'm working my steps while God's working on me. With that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Kelly. Amy G., you're up, followed by Pete B., if there's time. Thanks, Katie. Thank you so much for your service and everyone for a wonderful meeting. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Maryland. What struck me today was that he, quote, saw that his predicament was dangerous. That to me was such a standout today because I don't know about you, but when did I ever see that I was in a dangerous predicament in active compulsive overeating? So like never, right? I was too busy 
denying, rationalizing, deluding myself, convincing myself that this time it wouldn't kill me, putting my hand on that hot stove over and over again, putting my food, my allergic foods into my body. It was insanity. But here we have the process being revealed to us, a man, a sober man, having had a spiritual experience and knowing without a shadow of a doubt that if he doesn't work with another alcoholic and pick up a phone or do something, that he was in a dangerous predicament. To me, that's step two all over. It's being restored to sanity. That's what this program does. It has the ability to restore us in our thinking and our acting to sanity. What a beautiful description. Here he is seeing that he is in a predicament and knowing without a shadow of a doubt that he needs to work with another alcoholic if he wants to stay sober because he knows it's in his heart. Like I know in my heart that I am truly powerless over this disease and without God in these 12 steps, I would not have had that transformative process. I'd still be eating today or I'd be dead. But here Bill is showing us this process of how this program truly works. He knew he was in a dangerous position. He actually knew that. What does that mean? That means that something's happened in his thinking and his believing about his disease of alcoholism. And that's the beauty of this wonderful program. It has that ability to change us, the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery through God's grace in these 12 steps. How awesome is that? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And we have two minutes for you, Pete. Thank you, moderator. Pete B. Compulsive Overeater Recovered Today by God's Grace and Mercy, and I'm assuming you can hear me okay. So, yes, um, I can. Thank you. So let, let, let's, just, let's just pause for a second and think what the, the, to put ourselves in this situation here, right? Bill is pacing the hallways of this hotel, unfamiliar place, and he's thinking about drinking, right? And so he calls somebody who doesn't want to hear from him, who doesn't want to see him, and he inflicts his will on that person. Why? It, it was, it's in an act of selfishness that he's in an act of self-preservation that he's reaching out to call Dr. Bob, right? Like we spend so much time, you know, assessing our feelings, our thoughts, and judging ourselves and judging others about their motivations. And their, this is an act of selfishness that he's doing to save his ass, right? So we have to remember, he wasn't calling Dr. Bob to, to save Dr. Bob. He was calling Dr. Bob to save himself, right? There's no death of self here. It's self-preservation, right? We have to, we have to come to, we have to realize we're not, we're, the, the job here is not to do away with the creator put inside us, in each and every one of us. It's to take what he put inside each and every one of us and figure out how it could be usefulness to God and let, this, and let the creator do the assessment at the end of the day. Not myself, not my fellows, not somebody else. Let the creator do the assessment at the end of the day. With that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you, Pete. Okay, so thank you to everyone who shared. Thank you for Team Wednesday for the month of April, we had um, Carrie H, Maura Z, Nancy P, Liz V, and Leon B, and Deborah S, and Sandy W. So please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, April 29, 2020, 7 a.m. meeting is 14,257. I'm, I'm sorry. 14,527. That's 14527.
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Nancy P. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sorry, one second. Let me just get to the page. book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.